2002, Jellyvision really got going. Alex started taking shape, helping employers more efficiently work with all of their employees to pick the right plan for them, save a lot of money, drive a lot of efficiency. They're working with over 1,400 companies right now, over 18 million employees. They're doing this basically bootstrap, 27 million bucks raised. A lot of that was secondary. They're growing healthy year over year, doing about 60 million bucks right now in terms of run rate, over 100% net revenue retention and over 90% gross revenue retention annually. Again, 8.8 month payback period. So healthy growth, 400 people based in Chicago has looked to add additional products related to you know paid time leave and do I get fired and how's that all work? Hello, everyone. My guest today is Amanda Lannert. She is the CEO of Jellyvision, one of Chicago's fastest growing tech companies that serves 1,400 customers with Alex, the most helpful employee decision support platform on the planet. Jelly, uh, Jellyvision's uh, been recognized as the best software company and best culture by the Moxies, the Lighthouse winner by the ITA, and a top place to work in Chicago by the Chicago Tribune and Cranes. Amanda, are you ready to take us to the top? Ready. I'll try my best. Awesome. All right. So it sounds like Alex is like your main product, but help us understand what does Jellyvision do and and what's your revenue model? How do you make money? We make money by licensing Alex to mostly large employers to help them help their employees choose their benefits. So it's an annual recurring license fee based on the number of eligible employees that we mostly license to the jumbo employer market, meaning companies with lots and lots of people. Okay. And how would this be different than like a Gusto? Yeah, Gusto is a full benefit administration platform. They help you enroll employees and and manage employees. All we do is help people understand their benefit choices and help them understand the mathematical annual out-of-pocket costs so they can make good decisions. And you say, well, how is that possibly a big enough business compared to Gusto that's an end-to-end sort of CRM for people? Uh, And the reality is Ford spends more money per car on health insurance than it does steel. And one in four of their employees would rather clean a toilet than think about their benefits. (laughs) And so we just drive really, really good decision-making around health insurance to help reduce the cost of confusion on overall care. We save employees and employers a ton of money on one of the most expensive decisions they make in a given year. That's fascinating. So right now, how many employees are under a brand that pays you? Uh, total, we have 1,400 customers that represent 18 million employees. Wow, that's a lot. Okay, that's very good. And mostly US-based? All US-based, largely because we're the only country that really has messed it up so that employers <laughs> are in the game. Other countries have nationalized healthcare and no health insurance to pay for it. So it really is a, a very uniquely American phenomenon in large part. That's fascinating. I want to put all this on a timeline here in a second. But first, you mentioned kind of enterprise many times. Kind of how enterprise are you? So on average, what are these people going to pay you per year for this kind of thing? Um, it, it depends on the number of employees, but it can be a five, six, or seven-figure deal depending on number of employees. And we work with the country's largest employers. Okay. Can you tell me, ignore per logo, like per seat typically, I mean, or, or per employee? Are we talking like a dollar or 10 cents or a, a hundred bucks? Yeah, sliding scale, which depends on the number of employees you have. And on the teeny tiny companies, you can get it for, you know, 18 bucks. A large enterprise, you can get it for a quarter an employee a month. You can get much, much smaller. Okay, so so the most, if someone's listening right now and they're really small, the most expensive would be about 18 bucks per month per employee. Nope. Did I, did I lose you? Yeah, I'm so sorry. You just cut out. I literally just, I just missed that question. If 18, you can edit that out. Yeah, somehow, no, no, it's fine. Great. It's $18 per month per employee. That's the most expensive for someone listening. No, is really small. per year. That's, that's an annualized 18 per year. And it drops down to uh, per, uh, you know, a quarter or less uh, for very, very large employers. Okay. Got it. So almost basically almost a, a little over a dollar a month. That's right. That's great. Very good. All right. Put this on a timeline for me. So when did you launch the company? 
So Jellyvision actually started in one form as a gaming company in the 90s that was making uh, was very famous for making games on CD-ROMs, these things you used to slide into computers that had data on them. So we created virtual game show hosts like You Don't Know Jack and Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. This company then began saying, we're not going to create virtual game show hosts in a B2C gaming space, but we'll create virtual advisors in a B2B enterprise space. So in 2002, we relaunched, raised a small series uh, A, which was technically a seed, but we call it a series A. And our thesis was, we're going to go to where there's furrowed brow, where people are trying to do something complicated and boring, but important, and we'll talk you through it. Alex isn't the first time we tried to productize and scale what we do. It's just the first time it worked. We spent the better part of a decade from 2002 to 2010, thereabouts, really just trying to find innovative ways to sell. Uh, and we did projects for large companies operating more or less as a digital agency before Alex happened. Uh, started to get uh, some positive market uh, momentum into 2011, 2012, started to sell directly. And in 2016, it became the company and it's our sole focus. But it certainly was a longer tailed start than many, many of the companies uh, featured on this podcast. And and how did you know? So, so in 2002, how did you know that you wanted to move away from B2C kind of game show hosts and like B2B basically tutors? Yeah, it was because the the mob is so fickle. And in B2C gaming, you don't need to just have a great game. You need to be really lucky. Uh, it is very, very hits driven and it is very impossible to guarantee a hit no matter what kind of uh, cultural phenomenon you're riding on. It's just a very lucky business. And we had figured we had used up all of our luck so far. <laughs> and as games move from CD-ROMs to online, uh, nobody was making money online yet. And we're a company that's been largely bootstrapped, largely run by the other type of VC, not venture capitalists, but vested customers. And so we wanted to figure out how is the way to more predictably create you know, scalable revenue that didn't rely on a hits-driven business that takes a lot of luck to win. Yeah. Okay. So uh, again, you, you mentioned mainly bootstrapped. How much have you guys raised today, though? Uh, in total, we've raised uh, $27 million, but only 6.6 .6 of it hit the balance sheet. We did a $20 million secondary round that closed uh, last year. And, and okay, so walk me through the psychology, how that affected the team. Who did you offer liquidity options to? Was it all employees or just early ones, et cetera? There was a line in the sand uh, based on appetite. Our original, you know, our, our Series B investors, Sigma Partners, chose not to participate. They kept their chips uh, on the table. So we drew a line in the sand, and it was based on tenure. It had nothing to do with seniority. It was how long had you been in service to the company and drew a line and then also offered it to our earliest investors. Okay, interesting. Sorry, the line in the sand for your early employee base, that was based on a hiring date if they were before... Okay. That's exactly right. We just picked a hiring date that went far enough back that we could reward a lot of people, but not so far that we'd be wildly oversubscribed. That's interesting. Um, that's really interesting. And you're just doing the backwards math there in terms of exercise price and things like that. Correct. That's interesting. What percent of it? Well, okay, hold on. Did it surprise you or was it in line in terms of uh, how many of those early employees did take advantage of, of liquidating? Uh, you know, it's a very personalized thing. I think I was probably surprised by what everybody did because they all made very personal decisions versus anyone's statement about the growth and success of the business. It's how long have you been there? How diversified are you as an individual? What are your liquidity needs? How bullish are you about the future? There's no one dynamic. Therefore, it was a very, very personal thing that everybody did. I thought it was really interesting, but I also was very pleased by how many people didn't take chips off the table or left a large portion portion uh, still to ride. Like people see still upside potential at Jellyvision, and that was pretty cool too. Yeah, no, that, that's that is very cool. Uh, what are you at today in terms of total employees? 
Uh, just under 400. 400. Going to next year will be about 470. All in Chicago? Most in Chicago. We're Chicago headquartered. About 10% of our population is permanently remote, but it's more like they start in Chicago and then move and take their jobs with them versus us having a strategy of hiring outside of our town. Yep. Talk to me about churn. Churn's critical in any SaaS company. What is your churn today and how do you think about it? It's a low digit net positive dollar churn. We've been very successful in having a sticky solution. It does its job. It creates an ROI. And so we stay in with our core product. And then we expand through additional line items, things that help uh, employers navigate leave of absences or financial wellness or additional add-ons is how we grow. But we have a, we have a really uh, lucky relationship with a lot of our large employers with our core product. So when you say a low single digit churn, I mean, so less than 10% revenue churn per year. It's net positive. We actually grow well, each year. Sorry, ign- ignore expansion for a second. Just, I'm talking just gross, just gross revenue churn before you add back expansion. It's it's you said it's a 10% or less. Yes. Okay. And then let's then go to the fun story, which is when you add back expansion, you make up that 10% gap and you're above hundred percent net revenue retention. Yes. How far above hundred? It changes every year. It depends on what new line items we're taking to market, but it's a, our growth has really shifted from net new. We're seeing a lot of growth in our existing book of business too. That's great. No, that's really good. It's, it's, it's a, it's a fun place to be once you start hitting that scale and realizing introducing kind of higher ACV products across current base can drive a lot of the growth. Did you do any acquisitions to drive uh, those upsells or it's all been built internally? We've done an acquisition, but it was purely strategic. We wanted to bolt on some technology that would allow us to optimize our pricing to be able to better uh, offer a smarter algorithm. Uh, Everything else, all of our growth has been organic, nothing inorganic. What's been your most successful cross-sell product to Alex? Uh, A product that gets into a totally new space, something that helps employees navigate their leave of absence. As an employee, sometimes you need to take more than just vacation days and you probably ask yourself two questions. A, am I going to get fired? And B, am I going to get paid? And there are employer rules and then there are state-by-state rules that actually legislate how employers have to treat certain types of leave. And we've created a product that is not only compliant, it is humanistic and very helpful in walking employees through these leave considerations. And that is our most successful uh, line extension by far. It really is sort of a mini business unit in and of itself. That's interesting. Amanda, can you describe to me new new logos you're adding today? What do they typically look like? Is it, is it a team of 100 or 1,000 or 10,000? The typical starting point. Yeah, for sure. Um, Our business thrives on complexity. We need large benefit departments that are trying to solve lots and lots of constituencies. So we don't really play. You had mentioned Gusto. We start where Gusto stops. We need hundreds of employees to actually be able to provide the real ROI that you're looking for in terms of plan shifting and tax savings vehicles. Our our bread and butter are companies with 10,000 employees or more. We do particularly well with jumbo employers who have 50,000 employees plus. Mid-market to us is 2,000 to 10,000 employees. And then we do okay 800 to 2000. But you know, if you have a 40 person company, you may not even be offering benefits, let alone needing Alex to explain them. Yeah. So then is it fair to say if you close on a 10,000 kind of seat account, that $18 seat price point, I mean, that year one ACV is going to be 180 easy, 180K. It is. We have a six figure average price point for For our large employers. Yeah, that's great. So let's just use it as an example to understand kind of how aggressive you're being on acquisition. So let's assume it is a 10,000 kind of seat account, 18 bucks a seat, 180 grand first year ACV. What are you willing to pay to get that account fully weighted? 
Our CAC to LTV is about 11 to 1. Our gross margin payback period is 8.8. We are able to very cost-effectively land and keep jumbo employers. Got it. So just to be clear, if you've got an 8.8 kind of month payback, that means you're willing to spend, call it 130, 140 to get 180 grand in new ARR? Yeah, we spend less than that. Yeah, that's great. Okay, very good. And then um, gross margin LTV, a lot of people, or sorry, gross margin payback, a lot of people do the less aggressive version to say what the payback is. They don't multiply by gross margin on the end. Help help explain kind of the importance of that. Well, it's it's all about you know profitable, sustainable, long term growth, isn't it? You know, we we are a business that has SaaS margins, uh, SaaS revenue, and we need high gross margins to be sustainable. And what we're looking about isn't just you know is it cash in, but is it profitable? You know, is, are we going to have a profitable business in three years? Yep. Uh, are you cash flow positive today? Have been since 2009. We are also profitable this year with line of sight to uh, having substantially improved margins by 2020. So we are a business that has grown through customer revenue, not, you know, venture capital. Yeah. So the 20 was secondary. There was another 6.5 that you said was going into the company that's still all sitting in the bank. Uh, well, it was 1.6 in 2002, uh, okay. 5 million in 2007. We haven't put cash on the balance sheet in over a decade. That's great. That's really cool. Uh, you say you're improving gross margins. Where do you anticipate getting most of those points back from? What are your biggest expenses right now above the line? I think um, where we're going to get gross margin back is improved uh, efficiency in implementation. It's not a you know off the shelf product. It is configured versus customized by a uh, customer. The better we sort of deliver our product, where it feels personalized, but it's pretty turnkey from an implementation standpoint, will improve gross margin. And then a huge part of it is selling more things. Uh, we we are building a more and more robust line. Our customers are saying, "What's next?" And being able to walk in and sell a multi product solution will help us from a gross margin perspective as well. Yeah, that's great. Last question here as we wrap up. I mean, can you give me a general sense of kind of ARR size or range that you're at today? Yeah, we're north of 50 million in uh, in revenue. Our ARR is north of 60 million. Okay. Um, walk me through where those are different. Is that just gap versus cash? It is. Uh, it. We book, we have a very seasonal business like accountants, but our tax day happens in November. So we book all of our revenue in the year in which we win it, but we recognize it prorata over the start of a license, which typically starts in November or December. So revenue trails bookings. Yeah, that's interesting. Interesting. So very good. So at a, at a, at a $60 million run rate today, I think what that puts you at about 5 million bucks per month in revenue across 1400 customers. That means average customers paying you caught 3,500, 3,600 bucks a month, something like that. Is that Sound about right? Yeah, but we really look at it on an annual basis just because of the cyclicality. We don't have a lot of ebb and flow month over month. It really is an annual business, yep. just to kind of give you it's a unique dynamic. So that'd we be don't 40 win or, or lose. about 43 grand a year then, average That's ACV. Right. Yeah. That's it. We, we don't win or lot, lose a lot of business in Q1 or do, Q2. Do, do you have the ability though to upsell or can you only upsell every 12 months? If we're selling into the benefits solution, selling to our core uh, customers in the core sort of pain that that uh, Alex is best at solving at, it is an annually cyclical business. We've tried to bend the will of the market, but it is, it is uh, well, but the, the good news is we have something a lot of SaaS companies don't. We have a trigger for purchase and we have a trigger for implementation and we have a trigger for use. What's that so mean? in B2B2C uh, B2, B2 markets, you got to get your customers to buy. You got to then get them pay, to pay attention and actually implement and go live with your software. And then you need users to come and actually use your software so you can prove value to your purchaser. In our instance, because there is this dynamic period 
employers get their employees to pick their benefits for the following year. It's where billions and billions and billions of insurance decisions are made. We get everybody, our employers know that there's this date that they have to have everything ready for, and it forces all kinds of purchasing and all kinds of implementation behavior. And then employees have this like $18,000 carrot. If you don't go through open enrollment, you will not get insurance from your employers. So we have sort of this like carrot and stick that gets employee behavior to change. So user and purchaser behavior are driven by this annually cyclical business. And also, we don't have to have the normal like quarterly you know, race to close. We have an annual race to close and we put all of our eggs in a seasonal basket a year. It's a different, it's a different selling dynamic at Jelly Vision for sure. Yeah. Before we wrap up here, because we're out of time, growth. So you're at 60 today. What were you at a year ago in terms of run rate? We are, we have a five-year compound annual growth rate north of 50%. Okay. So make that easy for me. About a year ago, what were you at? Do you know? That's what I, I'll give you. That. You can, you can re- engineer that will give you 51% five-year uh, compound annual growth rate. Fair enough. Fair enough. Good. Any North plans, of 30%. Any plans to raise any additional capital? Not, not on the horizon. We're opportunistic. There's a lot of zipping up happening in the marketplace. If we find something that could be a creative, we're always open to it. But so far we're able to run just through reinvesting cash flow. Yeah. And no, I love that. Any acquisitions on the table you're looking at right now? I just we just uh, looked at one today. Uh, nothing worth announcing at this point, but we're always shopping to bring solutions to market. Sounds good. Let's wrap up with the famous five. Number one, favorite business book, Amanda. The Culture Code. Number by two, Daniel Coyle. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Justin from Sprout Social. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building your business? Lift. <laughs> uh, no. Serious. I build my business by talking to really smart people, hiring them, partnering <laughs> with them, and probably Lyft getting around is probably my most productive thing. I'm spending a lot of time out of the house yep. instead of in Jelly Vision right now, and that's probably what I use most from a productivity perspective. That's great. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? <laughs> it depends. How many hours am I in bed? How many hours do I sleep? Let's call <laughs> it six. Six. And what's your situation? Married, single, kiddos? Super married, 20 years uh, and counting. <laughs> Super married, and I love that. I have a pile of kids at home, many and only daughters. How many? Three. But Holy. it feels like a lot. It yeah. feels like a lot. That's a lot. And do you mind me asking, Amanda, how old you are? How old am I? Yeah. I am uh, old enough to that question's annoying, but young enough to still answer <laughs> it. I'm uh, 46 years old. I only ask because I want you to take us back 26 years. What's your 20-year-old self? What do you wish she knew? Man, I, if I say, go back and say like one piece of advice that I would tell little Mandy um, it would be this, uh, have more audacious dreams. I don't think by saying you're going to change the world, you will, but it sh- you sure can't do it if you're not intentional. So I wish I had been more aggressive, more hungry for impact and for scale and for growth. Instead of just running a nice business, I wish I'd wanted to change the world coming out of the gate. So I would tell young people, be bold. 2002, Jelly Vision really got going. Alex started taking shape, helping employers more efficiently work with all of their employees to pick the right plan for them, save a lot of money, drive a lot of efficiency. They're working with over 1,400 companies right now, over 18 million employees. They're doing this basically bootstrapped, 27 million bucks raised. A lot of that was secondary. They're growing healthy year over year, doing about 60 million bucks right now in terms of run rate, over 100% net revenue retention and over 90% gross revenue retention annually. Again, 8.8 month payback period, so healthy growth. 400 people based in Chicago has looked to add additional products related to, you know, paid time leave and do I get fired and how's it all work expanding rapidly. Amanda, thanks for taking us to the top. Nailed it. Boom. Am I hired? Nailed it. (laughs)